Blaine will fix it. Human beings, and welcome to insert credit number one twenty one one two one. This hi Brandon. Hi. This is this is that number of show I think. One twenty one. No. I, is I think, it? I think so. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, we did wow. one twenty last time. I, my my brain was uh, about twenty behind for some reason. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've done a bunch of these, as it turns oh, out. That's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, there's like, been a couple. Two and a half years worth. It's, it's, it's something. Anyway, so uh, here we got Frank Cifaldi. Hi. And, uh, and Tim Rogers. Yeah. And I'm Brandon Sheffield, and we're going to talk about stuff. The topic this week, <laughs> stuff. Talking about stuff. Uh, I'm just going to get right the heck on into it. Why not? My, my first question is, when did you all start writing? Writing? Writing. Ooh. Um, well, we're talking extracurricular, I take it? Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about, like, your high school essays, unless that was you really going above and beyond and doing some crazy stuff. Like, I guess I would say, when did you consider yourself to be writing instead of completing a homework assignment? Um, I've never... I, I might be in a unique situation because I've never really considered that like a calling or anything. It's more just uh, it's something I figured out that that uh, I could do better than most people. So I exploited it. It was never something I really, you know, was passionate about. Sure. Um, but I would say, God, I mean. If you want to go back to, to high school, I, I guess that's when I noticed it because people were uh, praising me all the time for some reason. <laughs> um, and I, I guess really it was um, when I got the internet, uh, which would have been 1998, and um, kind of fell in love with the idea of, of making something on the internet and, and started sort of doing websites and stuff. Uh like back then I was, I was making websites for local bands in Vegas, but, uh, being kind of weird with the writing, mm-hmm. um, you know, like instead of just a typical, uh, news update for the band, I would, I would kind of put my own spin on it. And, and, uh, you know, it, it's funny. I was just thinking about this this morning. That's very weird. Um, but, Prescient. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess, I guess that's where that, that all started was, was, uh, was was the 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 tripod website for for the uh, Las Vegas uh, pop punk band that I think is still going called the Happy Campers. Nice. <laughs> was, was when I really sort of started uh, stretching and, and and realizing that like, hey, I am writing as 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 a thing that people uh, want me to do for for not a school assignment. I guess this is what I do now. Cool. Tim. Uh. Well, I wrote a short story. I guess the first time I wrote a short fiction story would have been when I was nine years old. Uh, and it was about 
that was about six typewritten pages long. Uh, and it was sort of a little fantasy story. But it was, uh, yeah, there's not really too much worth talking about in that one. Uh, <laughs> but I wrote that and it had a beginning, a middle, and an ending. And, uh, according to my, uh, uh, teacher in school who, uh, like looked at it, like, uh, I, we did like a show and tell thing. And, uh, my dad had printed my story up in, uh, and put it in like a binder. Uh, like, uh, he showed me how to type it up on the computer and then we printed it up dot matrix printer and he mounted it in a binder and I took it to school and the teacher read it and, uh, I guess was convinced that I was some kind of genius to be able to write a story with a beginning, a middle and an end. That was like eight pages. And <laughs> it's maybe about 1500 words long, which is kind of pretty good. Yeah. I, I could still remember it. I guess it was all right. I mean, it was, uh, definitely didn't, I mean, there's probably some 16 year olds who can't write something that good. Uh, so I guess it was sort of a, Maybe I would have freaked out, too, if I'd been the teacher who read that. But I kept doing it. My parents got me my own electric typewriter uh, for my 10th birthday, and I just wrote stories on it. Uh, I always tell people that I started. I first wrote a novel when I was 15, but that's a lie. Uh, I first wrote a novel when I was 10. It's just, why would anyone believe that uh <laughs> okay and also it it seems like one of those terrible things like when people say mozart wrote a symphony when he was six or whatever it's like come on you know maybe he did but was it any good yeah like really have you heard it <laughs> which one is it somebody tell me off the top of your head what's the name of the symphony mozart wrote when he was six picking my butt opus <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> buttholesandboobies.com dot com. I, I love my mommy. <laughs> yeah, my my mommy's great. <laughs> yeah, uh, mommy mommy makes sandwich is what it was called. <laughs> so uh, I I don't necessarily believe. Uh, so I don't, I don't tell people I wrote a novel when I was ten. That make me sound like an idiot, but I did. So there's you know world exclusive. Uh, wasn't very good. I mean whatever. Ten-year-old doesn't have any right to write a novel. Got got no experience. Yeah, exactly. I I started. It was it was a fantasy thing. It was pretty much Zelda, but uh, I'd read some Conan and such at that point, so I had some idea what I was doing. Tiny, tiny sliver of an idea. Uh, so so we we both we both have the teacher thing. Do you have that too, Brandon? Where it's just like, oh, okay, I guess you consider that good. Yeah. Well, yeah. but my more important moment was different than that. I'll I'll wait till Tim. Yeah, so, sorry, Tim. Go ahead. Oh, oh, yeah. So anyway, when I was around fifteen, I started developing like an actual style of novels that, uh, and uh, I figured out a template that I have stuck to to this day. Uh, I I guess for about twenty one years now, I've been writing novels on almost the same format and template. I got a lot of them there. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's about it. Uh, but there's uh yeah. So wait, when you mean writing, you mean just writing as a, 
as a thing to do yeah, or uh, yeah well I, like, I think you've answered the question to to the specifications there all right well there it is um for me i i wrote a short story for highlights magazine when i was like nine or ten i'm not really sure maybe i was 11 um and it was it was uh it's about four pages double spaced <laughs> um, oh nice and it was basically highlights had this competition which was um write write a short story about the last days of the dinosaurs and i wrote a story about how uh all of my friends were dead. I wanted them to come out and play, but they were all dead uh, because I was a dinosaur and I was the last one. And I just got the idea from that um, that Far Side cartoon where there was a uh, a kid who's like, "Hey, can Billy come out and play?" A kid that's a dinosaur, and he had like a backward baseball cap and a and a baseball mitt, and uh, they had a sign on their cave that said "Gone Extinct." Um, mm. And, uh, so it was just based on that and, uh, highlights sent me a letter back and they're like, this is very nice, but didn't your parents write this? Wow. And I was so simultaneously slightly flattered, but mostly insulted (sighs) because there was no way for me to get like, there was nothing, there was no internet, so I couldn't change this verdict. Uh, that was very upsetting, but I think that was my first taste of writing, really. Um, and taste Yeah. Then I did it some more. Um, teachers were generally praise, praising my my stuff. Um, but the real kind of watershed moment for me was in high school when a teacher named Brian Thomas told me that I wasn't that good and that I could do better. And I was like, what the hell, old man? What do you know? But then I thought about it for like five minutes, and I was like, well, of course I'm not the best. How could I be the best? I'm 15. I don't know anything. Why would I be the best person? And so then I started listening to other people and trying to, trying a little bit to get better. Not as much as I could have to where I could be a really good writer ever. But a little bit to where nobody could tell whether I was a good writer. And and unfortunately, I think that's kind of where I stopped um, evolving was at was at nobody can tell that I'm not that good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I, kind of wish I had that moment because my my teachers praised me and and made me read read in front of the class so often that I got turned off from it because it all just felt like a tremendous scam because uh, I knew it wasn't, I knew it wasn't good, you know? And, and it's, and it's not encouraging to, to just be told everything you're doing is wonderful when, uh, it's clearly not. And, uh, and, uh, it's, it's just, uh, by comparison to everyone else in your public high school class, y- I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like I was never, I was never pushed uh, to write, and uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I still feel the effects of that because I, I, I still don't love writing or anything. I still just feel like I don't know. I'm more competent than most. I guess that's something. Uh, yeah, I, I, 
I don't love writing, but I feel a compulsion to do it. So I guess that's similar. Um, so where does your voice, your writing voice come from? If you can identify it. Uh, I'll say that I for me, uh... it, I, I think it comes now from talking to people and reading other stuff. I feel like I get pretty heavily influenced by, by better prose than mine. And then I wind up picking up not the not really the the prose itself but the tone or the yeah. the the timbre uh timbre timbre hmm what kind of a timbre is it it's timber timber timbre is yeah. what goes with a rain uh tambourine you see um yeah. i think it mostly comes from that but like from 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 a long history of essay writing is is where my serious stuff comes from, and then uh, goofing around with my bros is where all of my dialogue writing voice comes from. Um, I I I, I don't know. I, I feel like what I what I tend to pick up uh, voice wise from from reading other stuff. Well, I should say that that I, I feel like my my writing voice just comes from whatever I've been absorbing those past like three months. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I just kind of feel like I reflect the bits and pieces that I like, but, uh, I think mostly what I pick up, uh, is just, maybe this is what you'd call the timber, but, but what I'd call the melody of, of writing, you know, the, like just, just the, the ups and downs that I kind of visualize the, the, the sort of valleys and peaks, uh, you know, like like a good song or, or a poem, even though I've never actually enjoyed poetry. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know, that just comes from me, like, reading stuff that I wished I wrote, you know, and, and yeah. uh, sort of subconsciously taking the bits and pieces that work for me, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's my answer to that. I don't really have, like... A, a specific place that my voice comes from. Yeah. Tim. Oh, well, I mean, I don't really know about, uh, about the voice of it. It's kind of, I mean, I would say at least 95% of the writing I've done in my life is stuff I've never shown to anyone. Like, so, it's hard to talk about it with any degree of uh, anybody listening having any familiarity with it, I guess, which is a shame. But uh, it's real different from – I mean, I guess I've never really had to compare it to stuff of mine that I have shown to people in such a way. But it's real different to what it is, uh, to what my other stuff is. So when I think my writing voice, it's kind of just itself – uh, it's, it's how I think, not how I talk. Uh, and I feel, I just felt myself as I get older, beginning to talk more with the, uh, sentence structure of stuff that I write. I just, I've always, I had a problem as a kid, uh, just talking in general. It was very difficult to talk or listen to people, uh, Everything was, I don't know, people were boring and all that. But uh, it's just very, very difficult. To, it was like inventing words as 
like the second before I say them. I had a very visual and tactile, almost like traumatic memory system. So words were just always really weird. They were they were like toys, stupid things. Words were dumb. So I guess that's why writing was fun for me. It was like playing with Legos. So I guess the answer is uh, my writing voice kind of came from Legos. Do do you uh, do you ever find some of that synesthesia stuff going on? I I've found that as I've gotten older, when I'm looking for the right word that I want, uh. I'll be like, yeah, it's like, it's like this word, but redder. <laughs> and then, and then I don't know what that means when I think that. And it surprises me because I've, it doesn't happen when I read other people's stuff, but when I'm, when I'm trying to form something and I'm grasping for, for what I want, I, I guess my brain just starts like splintering out into different directions to try to grab that word and it's like no it's more of a yellow tone this word that i'm trying to get or the the feeling i want to evoke does that does that kind of stuff happen it's tim it sounds like that happened to you a lot uh i mean sort of i i i've never really uh, thought about it with words i i guess uh-huh. uh there's a lot of shapes and textures and colors but it's uh I don't know. I've just gotten so, if I may use the word, uh, good at it that I don't think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. It just kind of flows. And, uh, well, if you got a template, I, that makes sense. Yeah. I've got templates that, uh, I, I know I've just figured out these sort of skeleton keys for framing a, a paragraph and, uh, God, yeah, it's really, really confusing to try to talk about this because I never really talk about it. But, uh, oh man. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, I just, it, it's just right well, I when can... I type it. It's like, I know that it's, it's the right, uh, phrasing that was in my head. I'll have whole, I'll just think up whole sentences that aren't connected to anything, uh, phrases. Uh, that have a certain shape or texture to them that I can perceive without even thinking the words. And then when I sit down and type it, it's like saying the words. It's sort of a incantation, you know, like typing it is like the, that was the shape that was in my head. That was the material that was in my mind. And now those words are there and that's it. Having uh, so, I guess the answer is yes. Ha- having written next to you for I don't know, fifteen years or something, um, I I definitely see that you you tend to have these kinds of certain types of of lead-ins and lead-outs and things, and then there'll be I'll see you know an amusing turn of phrase that that happened like two months ago will show up in there. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense. It's like, there's some sort of memory bank of cool, cool structures. And then if you, if you put them together in a way that makes sense, it adds profundity somehow to them to where people reading it are like, Oh man, yeah, 
but they don't actually really know what it means. But knowing what it means isn't as important as kind of feeling, feeling that it's taking you somewhere. Uh, that's, that's my impression of, of that kind of, um, uh, structure from, at least from the outside. I get a lot of a, a feeling of, uh, well, yeah, like the profundity of a phrase that you've put down that the person reading it, like reading it fresh does not possess the burden of, of knowing where it came from. And in a way that makes them, I don't know, it, it invites the imagination more. Yeah. They can fill uh, it in with their experience. Yeah. And maybe they don't distinctly put their finger on the fact that it has history to it, but the history makes it memorable yeah whether they acknowledge it or not uh who who do you read or have you read that influenced you um i'll i'll start this one and say that i used to really like i still really like herman hesse and i read a bunch of his stuff and every time i read something by him i wanted to write fiction which was cool but I would say that that part of me that wanted to, or that liked reading Herman Hesse and Camus and Sartre and stuff, that's the part of me that turned into an essay writer primarily, which I feel is like, that's my, that's my solid comfort zone is if there's a, a thing to write a topic about where, like, if I have to write a topic about something, wow, I can't, I can't. Here's here's the the true writer in me being unable to say what I'm trying to communicate. If I have a topic I want to write about, then I can really go for that and just get it done and have my points and make people think that those points are their points. Or if I'm trying to be contrarian, then they can, you know, I can make them really mad or whatever. Uh and I think that all comes from there, from that kind of part of my uh reading. But now it's I'm more influenced by things like adventure time and like teens having conversations on BART and stuff um, because I've had to write so much more dialogue over the last few years and I feel like my dialogue writing style has come from some sort of real casual like television style but more uh, but with more import and impact behind it that you can't see or, 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 or know about. Um, I, when, when we were doing insert credit as website back in the early two thousands, I found myself influenced by Tim's writing and Eric John's writing, especially, um, one of us would write something and then the other one would write something better or more clever or more interesting and then it would compel me to try to do better than that and so i feel like that influenced me a bit as well during those days so those that's my answer i think um i i relate to the dialogue thing you just said um i think my dialogue writing right now is um based on what modern cartoons are like now i think modern cartoons are are i think cartoons are in some kind of renaissance right now like the the writing has just gotten so good and in, in things like adventure time and like teen titans go is just this brilliantly written show um 
that that just has this snappy dialogue that that works really well and like i don't it's weird i don't i don't think because i i actually haven't watched that much that many modern cartoons like i i've seen maybe like five episodes of adventure time for example i think that my dialogue writing is what i think modern cartoon writing is Uh. you know (laughs) Like, like i i think there's almost this purposeful ignorance to it you know, it's it's like I don't want to go too deeply into what that is, but I know that I like it. So what's my impersonation of what I think it is? And uh, I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but uh, I think that's what my dialogue is. Yeah, um, makes sense. And then uh, as far as other stuff, um, uh, I've, I've always freely admitted that I'm not really all that well read. Um, I, I never got into books or poetry or anything like that. Uh, so much um so i have kind of a uh almost typical nerd answer to to which writers have influenced uh my writing style at least in terms of like you know i keep coming back to melody like melody is what i really pick up on and like playing with and and i think it's it's sort of a combination of uh haruki murakami neil gaiman and video games like yeah. like video game video game and <laughs> yeah <laughs> Neil like, video gaming and and like I like the rhythm of 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 text that fits in an old text box you know I like I like it I like button press text mm-hmm. like I like my sentences to be short and and like actually moving you forward yeah like yeah, like, so a, vi- uh, like a like a Phoenix Wright episode. Yes, like Phoenix writing is is a is a really good uh, example of the kind of writing that I like doing, just like like button pressy writing. Tim, button pressy writing. Yeah. Well, I've always read a bunch of books. Uh, I guess I've read uh, at least a thousand books in my life, probably more. I read, I counted, I read one hundred and thirty five books in twenty fifteen, which is. Uh, little bit over uh two books a week yeah that's a bunch more than that it's a lot i read a lot of them i read like 15 uh, i think <laughs> oh <Owned>. i know <laughs> i read like uh, like five so it's okay oh owned <laughs> uh every time i go to indiana for christmas uh i go to half price books and buy about 30 or 40 paperbacks and uh wait before you go any I, further are they somehow cheaper there than here at half price books no it's weird uh but the vintage paperback section is so much better and i don't understand why okay uh, probably because nobody cares i don't cares care because i get yeah i think so that could be it yeah could be it why why uh why buy paperback vintage books when you can have a big punch bowl of tortilla chips and a tumbler of coke at your local chilies i don't know that's right so uh, yeah. So I just get a bunch of those books, and I've I've been doing some variant of that more or less for the last twenty years, and uh, yeah. Hence the definitely over probably more like two thousand books I've read in my life. Probably I would have to sit down to count them. I could count them though. Trust me, <laughs> I could I could write all their names down. That's one of my only talents is I can just remember all the books going backward. Uh. So I guess when I was a kid, I really liked uh, Alexander Dumas. I pronounced that in English. Uh, I liked The Three Musketeers, The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, old adventure novels like uh, 
uh, Treasure Island, uh, Sherlock Holmes, so any of that stuff was uh, uh, something I was a real big fan of. And uh, in high school, like everybody, I read uh, uh, 60s and 70s science fiction, yeah. like uh, A.E. Van Vogt, you know, Van Vogt, Heinlein. I liked Starship Troopers. Pretty chill. Uh, I read uh, one of my absolute favorite writers. Of course, I read Robert Howard, uh, uh, all the Conans. Uh, and yes, I read Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, and John Carter of Mars. I, I read anything that was like that or that had a front cover that looked like that. And uh, I got real good at reading real fast, and I got good at reading real slow, you know, when I wanted to have a good time with it. And I read all the Tolstoys, I guess everything that was in English I, I read, and I liked all that stuff, and later Dostoevsky. But I guess I really like, uh, somewhere in the middle of all that, uh, I like the writer Abraham Merritt. Do you guys know him? Nope. Uh, he was a science fiction fantasy author, and uh, I really like his books. I read one of his short stories uh on a YouTube video a couple months ago. Uh, and that's the kind of style that really had like a huge, like brain crushing impact on me when I was a kid was, was that, that particular short story. Uh, yeah, I would really recommend that guy and you can get all of his books online of, as like free PDFs. I've got them as eBooks on my phone. Uh, but I really like all of his work. It, it's just the right amount of ornate writing. It's like just ornamental enough. Uh, and it's tricky and fun and has a couple good quirks to it. It's that general weird tales sort of writing, uh, with, uh, uh, fantasy treated somewhat naturalistically. I, I really like that stuff. You know, that actually, and, uh, that, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that sort of stuff. And, uh, that's why I extremely – basically, if you want to know what sort of stuff I've been writing the last five years, uh, it's – or the last – God, last ten years or so. Basically, True Detective Season 1 is more or less exactly the sort of thing that I was writing until about three years ago. And uh, I mean that's very Weird Tales kind of writing in True Detective Season 1. Yeah, weird fiction. So, yeah, weird fiction. It's – uh. Basically, uh, the way – like the pitch that I had for a novel that I wrote that was very similar in tone to that was Lethal Weapon meets Cthulhu. Uh, and that's sort of the kind of thing I was writing for a while. And uh, yeah, I've always liked that. And of course, I like Moby Dick. Moby Dick's the best. Eventually, I found Moby Dick and uh, Nabokov and uh, saw all of those really fancy – Super fancy writing. And I went back just a couple days ago and I read, uh, when I was in Texas, I reread The Scarlet Letter and Great Expectations. And, uh, Scarlet Letter and Nathaniel Hawthorne, that, uh, I hated that book in high school because we had to read it and we had tests on it or whatever. But man, that's a really supremely well structured, well written book. And, uh, Great Expectations, man, Charles Dickens, you know, whatever. That guy made a lot of money, but he was really cool. Uh, that guy's fantastic. And just last year, I read most of Hemingway's books again. I've read all of those before, but, uh, yeah, man, 
and right now I'm reading a, a bunch of books. I have a, a shelf in my house that I read books on and there's a book. I would hold it up for the camera, but I don't have a camera on right now. There's a book called NARC that I took a picture of the front cover of. And the front cover says number one in a great new series. Uh, and I really love that. And the back cover says $250 million worth of death. <laughs> and, uh, let me read the back of the book. And I read this whole book and I just cackled the whole time. So I'm going to read the back of book description of this book. $250 million worth of death. It was the largest illegal shipment of heroin ever made into the States. 1,000 pounds, pure and uncut. The New York dealer was paying $10 million for it, half in mafia money. But the street value was 25 times that. A cool quarter billion. Enough that men were going to kill for it. And die for it. <laughs> Narc John Bolt was prepared to do his share of the killing. Dying could wait till later. <laughs> so uh I saw this book in Indiana, and uh I'll, I'll link you guys to it. Uh, I, I Instagrammed a photo of it. Uh, uh I saw this book on the shelf, and I just shrieked. Like, I almost died. And then I started reading it, and I was like, oh, God, this is so good. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, I used to read a lot of those kind of like, uh I don't know, Max Power or or – John Hawk, or I don't, I don't even remember the names, but names like that. Oh, uh, they've all got names, yeah. Special mission yeah, squad, uh, things where it was like, oh, just, I don't know. They, this they is were the a, most. a first printing of this book from 1973. With the first printing so. of the first in the series. Yeah, of the first in a great new series. Yeah. It's a, nice. John Bolt. That's by Robert Hawks is the name of that writer. <laughs> I bet it is. Uh, so recently I started – last year I read a couple of the Jack Reacher books, uh, which are modern but similarly stupid. And uh, I had a real good time with those. Uh, they're hilariously bad on purpose in a really interesting way. So, yeah, this just this impossibly tough dude uh, just taking stuff down, taking care of business and such. Uh, yeah. I feel like I should have said – a couple more authors now that you said all those because you, you made yeah. me think of, of a of a bunch more which like the um when you were talking about merit there was this dude named james p blaylock who oh yeah uh he lived around here or still does probably and um he's not fantastic but for whatever reason i find his stuff compelling because he's always got some stories that make me want to uh, think about stuff. And I remember reading, reading his book Homunculus, which I currently cannot find a copy of because it's completely out of print. Um, he, uh, I read that when I was 11 or 12 and it was just the, the writing was beyond me kind of because I didn't, uh, I didn't understand a lot of the words that he used because, you know, some SAT words in there. And, uh, but I was excited by the idea of, you know, foggy London and the Thames and et cetera. And, and a tiny man living inside a giant dude suit, uh, who is the homunculus. Um, and, uh, I still, I still like that writer. I think he's, he's 
he's fun. He's not great, but he's he's enjoyable to me in a certain weird way. And uh, he was kind of the more accessible version of all the Lovecraft stuff I had been trying to read but having a hard time with. Uh, oh, man, Lovecraft is real, real good if you're not like a child, I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, I was busy being I a really, child. Yeah, being a child, is it's it feels kind of old and hard to read. A lot of words, a lot of extra words in there. Uh, I also, I, I guess, man, I'm thinking of a whole bunch of writers uh, that were huge for me uh, when I was a kid. Were uh, I read Robert Graves. He has a book of Greek mythology. Uh, he rewrote all the Greek myths. Robert Graves is Greek mythology. Uh, Robert Graves wrote uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence and the Arabs was the name of the book. I love that book. And he wrote I, Claudius and uh, Claudius the God about Roman Emperor Tiberius Claudius. I read that book like 20 times. John Le Carre, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Uh, Len Dayton, The Ipcris File. Loved all those really super British spy books and all the James Bond books. So I read a bunch that of that was me. I read a bunch of garbage that I really don't think influenced me particularly. Um, I don't know if it's really garbage, but I read a bunch of stuff by Margaret Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. They they did oh. these uh, these fantasy novels about stuff, um, and there was this other fantasy novel series about the Green Witch that I read. I don't even remember who that was by. Man, there was so much so much stuff in there. But I'm I'm just gonna move on to uh more about yeah. our own writing and ask, do you tend to start with a point that you're trying to get to or you just start writing for uh for a feeling or some other reason? Uh yeah, I start with a point and um I mean I maybe I should backtrack a little and say that I, I don't I don't do much writing for myself anymore. I I literally can't even remember last time I did that. But uh, um, when I'm doing something um, professionally or, you know, just kind of trying to come up with ideas for something that might be something professional, right? Because um, writing comes in all forms, right? It, it's not always prose or whatever. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's just kind of jotting stuff down. Um, the, the the trick I sort of picked up in my, my days as an editor was uh, starting with the headline. Um, just kind of keeps me uh, in focus, and and uh, and uh, I, I find that works for most things. Like if I'm just kind of jotting ideas down on paper or whatever, uh, you know, I'll put I'll put the main concept that 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 came to my head, like in in all caps on the top of the page, uh, so that I don't lose focus on it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, and uh, yeah. So I I do kind of start with the, the big idea or the thesis or or maybe the ending sometimes, right? Like, like I, I, I start with what it is that I'm trying to say, yeah, and then, uh, and then reverse engineer it from there. Yeah, I find that I tend to kind of I have a thing that I want to communicate or something that I thought of that is compelling to me, and I'll give you a hint of it in the first paragraph, and then I will kind of spiral into it and then spiral back out of it. Is 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 how it feels to me, because um, it's it's like by the end of it you will you will understand my complete feelings about this point. <laughs> um, that's that tends to be how it how it goes 
for for you know es- essay writing and stuff um with with dialogue i tend to have beats that i want to hit or or like a a narrative story i have things that i want to get to most of the time when i'm writing something like that it's not very long so it's pretty easy to keep it all in my head but sometimes i'll i'll bullet point and and get around to those um lately i've been writing a lot of comics though and in that case i have like a thing I think is funny. And I guess this is also starting with the point, but in that case, I need to, I need to build pacing and other jokes potentially around the one thing that I think is funny, which is, uh, has been an amusing and different process for me. Tim, how about yourself? So when you mean starting with like what I'm thinking about or the actual opening line? Oh no, I mean I mean what what you're thinking about. Like are you coming from a standpoint of I want to communicate this or are you coming from a standpoint of like I want to I want to communicate and uh I'm going to start communicating and then we'll see which which of the many points in my brain get picked up. Oh, uh usually there's kind of a kind of a trash bag full of stuff. And the goal is to present it as uh, as painlessly for me as possible, <laughs> but but uh, to like to present it one hundred percent authentic, like authentic versus the thought process that went into it uh, as possible. Yeah. Not uh, you know my maybe that doesn't say what my thought process is, but. I'm always thinking about stories. So when it comes to fiction, I have characters in my head that I don't know what they're going to do with themselves someday, you know. Uh kind of makes me envy somebody who's got a Game of Thrones or whatever with they just got all their characters hanging out in the same thing. I've got dozens of characters I don't know what they're going to do. It's just it starts with who is this person? Uh, it, it usually starts with a, wouldn't it be funny if there was uh, a lady whose job was this? But I think it goes something her, like this. But her sister was blank. Like, but her sister had no legs. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, there's a girl, a, a woman who's a, a, a marathon runner, but her sister is in a wheelchair. Like, I don't know. That's not one of my stories. Trust me. Uh, but it's always like characters and just simply statements of what their occupations are. The old, uh, as they tell you in journalism school, you know, when you get to the, when you get to the high enough level, they're like, look, really the, uh, the who and the what are the most important thing for getting somebody's attention in a story. Uh, the the why and the how they kind of people can connect that stuff yeah. you know you know you're not you're not talking about how we're not talking about why uh, unless the person said why so if you're writing fiction you're not going to write fiction about people who are saying why they're doing what they're doing i want I, I want to look at a novel i've written and i mean i do this every once in a while years later i want to look 10 years later and see a character do something and be like why did that character do that and the answer is always, I don't know. That's what they wanted to do. It's like, uh, 
So, so there's just a general, when, when I write an essay, it's, I have this piece just put together in my head and everything is sat there the way it is. And I believe in some sort of divine superiority of those kind of waking thoughts. You, you wake up from a dream or you're in the shower and this entire structure of a story or an essay is just there. Uh, you don't want to sit down and get weird with it. You don't want to try to conform it to something else. Like, or at least I don't, I'll, I'll outline it. I'll write an outline and go. And then when I get around to the writing process, obviously takes longer than the outlining or the thought process, but I'll get to a bullet point and I'll be like, okay, I know that this part of the essay is the part where I'm supposed to tell about my friend from 1996, uh, but uh, I don't really remember why I wanted to tell that story, but I do know that story, so here it is. And with fiction, it's very similar, except it's I allow myself to surprise myself with, with a performance. So I go, I know this is the part of the story where this guy is going to go back to his house and there's somebody waiting for him, right? And then I'm like, but, you know, who knows exactly what's going to happen? I will let myself ruin my own story and then reassess it later. Uh, in that way, you can see that someone, you know, might very well write novels for themselves and not share them with anyone and still feel quite fulfilled in the writing process because I'm having a good time seeing what these guys do. Uh, uh, that's really all that matters there. But uh, on the other hand, I, I'd like – I was telling somebody about this just – a couple weeks ago, uh, I was talking about the movie Fargo. Have you guys seen Fargo? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Fargo is a, a, a story where, okay, I think Fargo is like a perfect story. I think the plot and the story, every single piece of it is just shockingly essential. It is just a perfectly put together story. Yeah, there's no, no waste there's, there. Yeah, just no waste at all. But there's still breathing room and there's still hangouts in it. There's still parts where you feel like you're chilling out with the characters. I really, really extremely love the idea of the the detective who's not actually that great a detective. She's just a no-nonsense person. She's not a caricature. She's not stupid. She's not a genius. She's a very believable police officer who gets as lucky in doing her job as the villains are unlucky. The villains, the villains ruin the story. Like there's a story that's set up that is a familiar story. And then something just happens. I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. I think it's one of the 20 best movies you could watch uh, easily. Uh, uh, the, 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 the story just ruins itself at one point. It's set up to be something you've seen before, but the only word I can think of is ruin. It just goes, well, now this happened. And it's not, it's not a plot twist. It's just a, oh God, why did that happen? But it's also not a coincidence. It's uh, what Truman Capote, uh, one of my favorite books in cold blood, once called a psychological accident. And uh, it's very believable. And uh, I, I love that sort of thing. So I always try to leave room for something like that if I'm writing characters. It's – I don't know if we're specifically talking about writing fiction, but it's uh, 
it's I have characters and they just have a network of relationship and there's a situation that starts it and there's always a final image which is you know a color texture material that comes out as a turn of phrase but uh there's always a final image in mind and I feel like that's the way to really write a good story so, so that's where I'm coming from. To, to your uh, point about having these characters and not really knowing what they're going to do, I yeah, I like I like when that happens, and I have only lately started to get there, and mostly then in dreams. <laughs> uh, lately, uh-huh. I've I've been having a lot of full narrative dreams where I'm excited to see what's going to happen. And, and I'm, I'm somewhat aware in my dream, like this is coming from me. How is it that I don't know what's going to happen because I'm, I'm doing it. This is me. I'm making all of this, but yet I don't, I don't really know where it's going to be because these, these characters, I'm observing them. And so I can actually, Writers always say that kind of stuff that they're going to, you know, they're going to leave this character here and see what it does. And that always seemed so pompous to me. Like, oh man, you yeah. I mean, you're making that you're making this all up. Like, so you know, you and also a lot of writers do say it in a smug way, <laughs> which doesn't help. Yeah. But um but I can really see it the pro- the thing you have to do to be able to make that happen though is have realized characters of some sort and be able to distinguish them from each other. And that has been my largest challenge is like, why is this character doing this and this character isn't doing this? But I think it's, it's gotten better for me since I've thought about it in a more fluid way. Like this, there's this one, uh, little short thing I wrote about, um, people having the power to vibrate, the air, the vibrate their own molecules and and the molecules around them so that they can appear invisible and they can do the same with their vocal cords so that they can make sounds that only others can hear and uh, and you know this is like hg wells style suspension of disbelief where i don't think that the science of this is correct i just want you all to agree with me that it's possible and then we'll get on with the story um and uh and I found that in this story, there was one character who could do it way better than the others. And the others were like, you've got a responsibility because you're, you're better. Um, but yet you're kind of high and mighty about the things that, that you want to do. And it made sense to me that, you know, it wasn't that this character would do a thing and the character that's criticizing him wouldn't do that thing. It's that, these are both sensible people who are friends. They have slightly different backgrounds or whatever, but that's not important. The important thing is that this one is in this situation. That one's in that situation. Uh, for me, at least, I could kind of come around to like, okay, I understand why characters would do things situa- situationally or based on, based on context. Um, Instead of just, it's like, this person has this set of D&D stats, and so they're always going to be aligned on the side of good or, or chaotic neutral or something like that. Um, it's just, this this guy's got some, some kind of uh, leg up on the others, 
in in an innate way or because something has been thrust upon him and that inherently changes how that character is and what what they're going to do from then on so like if i can look at that and project it forward then i can actually start to get to that sort of situation um yeah <laughs> uh, so i have another qu- question here which is what is the worst thing that you've written as an as like a conscious person who was aware that you were writing like going back to that first question like when you're aware like okay i'm i'm writing people know people are going to read this so something something the worst thing you've written that people have actually read uh and and i think for me you know if i if i think back to high school there was a time when i was invited to this special writers camp thing and we were all supposed to present something and i tried to do something totally new and everybody hated it and uh and and the advisor was like you should probably stick to subjects that you're more familiar with cuz i tried to write some sci-fi blade runnery story even though i hadn't seen blade runner yet um and i i totally failed but i don't think that was actually a bad thing cuz it was an attempt at something and a failure so that's that's fine uh, I think probably the worst thing I've written is there was something on the insert credit about page for a while that I wrote that I think is it's it's really embarrassing to talk about it now. Uh, I had forgotten I wrote this. It was basically a story about how my stepbrother and I went to this dude's house to pick up a car part and uh, went into the house and there were like six Japanese girls there who couldn't really speak English that were homestaying <sighs> with this dude. And, you know, if, if you break that story down, essentially what I did was go in there. I like go into the story prepared to brag about how I could speak Japanese and how all those girls were probably interested in me. <laughs> and, uh, uh. Nice. And like, that's really, really embarrassing, uh, as a thing to have written as a conscious adult. It's like, you know, that's some, that's some, uh, oh, and, and, but of course I didn't, I didn't do anything because, uh, you know, I was doing that. It's like some, some nice guy level bullshit is, is what that is. Nice guy. And, uh, it's really that. So that's, that's for me something. That's really embarrassing that I wrote. I have a few things like that, but the question isn't embarrassing. It's worst, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's worst. But I also feel like it uh, was the worst. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because um, I it, mean, that could be worst. Yeah, it could know? be worst I mean, for sure. It depends on how you define worst. Um, Boom. Yeah, and and I've got a few things like that that I'm embarrassed about that I've that I've uh, that I feel that I've I've grown out of uh, significantly, but. I'm having a hard time thinking of any that I'm sure you can't find on the internet. Sure you can. Oh, you can definitely find mine if you try hard. I just don't want you to, please. So uh, I'm going to skip that one. Those, I should say. Um, God darn it. And, and uh, go to my original interpretation of worst, which was something that I uh, wrote uh, intentionally terribly uh, in Oh, uh, that's a cop-out. It's not a cop-out. All right. Um, it was in high school. And um, 
it was uh it was a writing class like you know I, I was in like a separate writing class that wasn't an english class i think or i'm conflating memories um but uh you know it was kind of an elective i think uh and we were doing poetry um and we had to write like 10 poems over over a couple weeks or something so i of course uh uh was doing them the night before uh all at the same time and uh i at that time thought that uh i thought poetry was kind of a scam i <laughs> i i, I kind of thought that you know i was reading things we're talking like 10th grade i was, I was reading stuff like e.e cummings and being like this is all just nonsense this is just you know he's 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 making words uh feel melodic but not actually saying much of anything um so you know i i i, I with that knowledge uh i was like i'm just going to kind of be trolly and and uh and and write some poems that mean absolutely nothing uh and 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 are about like the stupidest thing i could think of and i think it was one of those looking around my bedroom for inspiration moments and 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 i wrote 10 poems that were secretly about batman lamp oh lamp <laughs> no they're all about batman every one of them nice. uh but but i didn't say as much and and they were all just like i turned my brain off and just vomited words um and uh and uh well the teacher thought they were all brilliant, so it kind of proved my point true. Mm. So, but they were all really terrible and nothing. They were just nothing. Tim? So wait, you mean like the that people have read like that got published or that I published on the internet or what? It just that uh someone that someone could read that other people read. Like not not, so not I was... your own internal works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously stuff that people might have read. Uh, I wrote columns for a bunch of magazines under a bunch of names uh, in the early 2000s. And uh, there was this British magazine, uh, one of the many British unofficial PlayStation magazines. <laughs> and I wrote – they would just ask me to write whatever and I would give them like a different pen name uh, – uh for I would be like, hey, can you make this uh, guy have this name? You know, and they're like, yeah, okay. I mean, they didn't care. They were selling so many copies of this magazine, and I don't really know why, uh, because it was extremely bad. I had it in my bathroom, and it ruined many dumps. <laughs> uh, so, so I just started writing the most flagrantly awful British games journalism, and. I would feel so bad if someone like screen capped one of those columns and or or game reviews or previews. I was writing reviews of games I hadn't played. They didn't care. Uh they they never even paid me. Uh <laughs> they were supposed to pay me and they just kept missing. They paid a couple of times, whatever. Uh I would feel so bad if someone screen capped one of those and emailed it to me one of the creepy emails of the variety I get quite frequently. It's like just a screen cap of that. And uh, like the guy who just sent me my address in an email once, that was all he sent. And uh, 
That was weird. But I would, I would feel horrible. I would feel worse than the guy just emailed me my address. Cause it's like, if you know that I wrote that, Lord. <laughs> but, uh, like, but that was like on a case where I, I thought it was funny. So I'm trying to think, what well, did I, I not I did, think I mean, was that, funny? That's what I did too, right? So. Yeah, yeah, with the Batman poems. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, like, we had a creative, I was in a creative writing class in college. You know, you know where this is going. Uh, uh, it was the one creative writing class I took and the teacher who I'm going to Google him right now to see if he's still alive. Uh, <laughs> oh man, what? Uh, hold on. This teacher was real bad and, uh, he was a writer attempting. He never published. He published one book. Man, that's sad. He published like this one book that came out, uh, Shortly before he, uh, got the position teaching. And, uh, yeah, I guess he never, uh, published anything after that. It was a short story collection. It wasn't very good. Anyway, he hated me, but we would always be like, he'd be like, write a new short story this week. Uh, write something else. Give us another draft of your story. If you, if you think your story's done, write another one. You gotta keep writing. Writing is good. So every week I would come in there and I would just, I got really lazy and I just started giving them the stuff that I was writing for myself, right? So I just started giving, which I, I have since not shared any of that with anybody. Uh, so they gave it to the school. Uh, they were like one of the editors of the, the quarter, the, the, the quarterly, uh, literary magazine on campus was in that class and she was like can I have this and publish this and I was like uh yeah and uh flash forward a couple of weeks and uh they published the quarterly uh review and uh it was like 80% my stuff and there was like a reading party thing and I mean it was like this big chunky you know, nice high quality paper book. And I got up there and they're like, we want you to read one of your stories. And these stories were like, they published like three, 4,000 word stories. And then a, they published one 8,000 word story. And I was like, man. And it was all just this magical realist crap. I was reading Borges and uh, trying to write like that. And they're like, we want you to read this one. We want you to read this 8,000 word story. And that's like an hour of reading, like literally. Like you can read about my natural, the voice I'm speaking in right now is, I can clock it at around 4,600 words per 30 minutes, right? So it's around 9,000 words an hour is how I'm speaking right now. Uh, so it was like 50 minutes. And man, I had read the story before I gave it to the creative writing class, but, uh, I, I hadn't read it enough, you know, like I'd read it two or three times and I'd fixed a couple of things and it was by and large economical prose, you know, it was not like flowery or whatever. It was really, really mundane Midwestern American, uh, tragic story kind of thing. I'd been reading Raymond Carver, uh, uh, 
I wanted to write something that was just cold like that. And I'm just up there reading it and I'm like, I had gone so far inside my own balls at this point that it was like, it was a, a really scary moment to read that because I mean, everyone's just sitting there and they're listening and they're laughing at appropriate times. And I'm just like, I guess this story's pretty good, but why? Like, it's about uh, the married couple in their 50s, and it's about, you know, they've got a dog. Like, I've never had a dog. Uh, I'm not a married person in my 50s. I'm not a fireman. I've never met a fireman. Uh, and I'm just like, this is so not about, or it's like I'm not even there in this story. And I'm I'm remembering it now, and it was really bad. Uh, so you know, rest assured, it was quite bad. But uh, uh, the that that visceral experience, and then having a bunch of people come up and talk to me about it uh, afterward was just really strange. And I I didn't like it, and it just felt extremely creepy. Like I was covered with earthworms. That filled with them. That's an interesting one because it, it, it feels a lot like that. That was a lot like the experience that I had in that, in that creative writing workshop thing or whatever it was called. And a uh, young writers workshop. I don't know. Um, YWC. I, I, I mean, I wasn't really, YWW. <laughs> I wasn't really <laughs> in there either. Uh, but rather than praise, I got, uh, derision for it, which was probably more correct. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've we've reached the hour mark, but uh, I have a few more questions. It's it's up to y'all if you want to keep going. I don't know about a few oh. more. All right, let me let me just go. Let's hear one of the good ones. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get. How about two more? All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. So one is, uh, do you like stuff that you write? right after you write it or or is it when you come back to it and uh if if it's the latter how long how long does that take i de- i tend to kind of push stuff out and then i'm like well that garbage is over with and then and then uh but then sometimes i'll come back or like someone will link something to me and be like uh what what did you mean when you said this or whatever and i'll go back and read it and i'll be like well this isn't that bad yeah <laughs> but uh it tends to take you know i got to have a couple probably uh several months space from it before before that works but then there's like this this gap to where you know almost anything i wrote 10 years ago unless it was just informational I am very embarrassed by. Uh, yeah. So there's like some some line between liking your old stuff and finding it completely naive. It's like how much have you changed as a person in that time? Yeah. Um. So I I, I like stuff when I'm done with it. I I I, t- I try really hard not to like finish something I don't like. Hmm. Um. And uh, I like it for about I don't know three days, and then I hate it. <laughs> uh. And and I hate it uh, until I read it again, which is usually like a year later. And then um, 
it depends like it's basically what you're saying like it it kind of depends on how young i was when i wrote it uh how i feel about it when i see it again so like if if it was done in the last like five years i i tend to really like it when i see it again and go like yeah sure i i was wrong to kick myself about this this is great Oh, not great, but you know, it's this is this is passable, and I, I'm not embarrassed by this in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's older than that, then uh, I don't I don't like it usually. But I also don't kick myself over it because I understand that uh, growing up is a thing people do. Um, but at the same time, um, I think anything older than that, I I, I find a I, I find a you know, and, and uh, some neat na- naivety, or oh, I can never pronounce that word. Naivete. Naivete. I find it's I find naivety. Naivety. <laughs> I find some naiveties uh, that that I'm 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 envious of sometimes. Mm. Like, you know, like if if I go back to really young me, um, you know, the, the oldest stuff I can find. Like, I will never show it to anybody, but it's like, man, there's some stuff in here that like I. I just don't have this anymore. Whatever, whatever this was that allowed me to, to be, to do this. Like I I would never come up with that now. And it's, it's not exactly valuable, but I wish that I, I had that as an adult and could hone it into something good. Mm -hmm. Like, like I feel like I lost a lot of, a a lot of that. Tim. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I have the the idea in my head before I start writing anything, whether it's fiction or not. And I have, you know, if it's an essay, if it's the kind of stuff that I publish and, you know, link around on the internet, it's always like the question is, did I get all the stuff in there? Uh, are there enough jokes in there? And if so, upon finishing it, I'll scroll around. I'll just you know, whip the scroll bar around and be like, yeah, it looks good. It's looking good over here too. <laughs> and then I'm done. Uh, whereas with, uh, with fiction. So I'm writing a book now. Uh, oh, I mean, I'm always writing something, but, uh, the one that I finished right, like before Christmas, uh, that finished a draft of it. Uh, it, was really, really hard to write because I imposed an extremely strict rule on the grammar. I always have these, I have a real big bucket of grammar and vocabulary rules and I put like the biggest, ugliest one yet on there. Uh, and I wanted to see what would happen and the writing of it, par- like I had it like, blocked out paragraph for paragraph or whatever but the writing process was so boring like it was incredibly boring to write i got to have no i basically robbed myself i burglarized myself of any right to have fun with the words themselves and uh i went back and looked at it uh just just the other day uh in texas on my hotel bed and uh I was like, just, I read a paragraph out of the middle and I was like, wow, I'm really glad I put that rule on there. I just, I, I mean, I keep inventing these rules to try to cut down on the amount of revision time, uh, that the book is going to take or the amount of editing or proofreading. Basically, I want every excuse to never look at the thing again when I'm done with it. But, uh, that's never going to happen, obviously. 
but you know, I can try. Uh, so I was, I'm, I'm usually prepared to dislike the stuff, but when I'm done, I, I, I it's kind of like buying movies, like buying Blu-rays, you know, like I'll be like, I'm going to have a good time watching this. And then it just ends up on the shelf for, oh God, like three or four years. Some of these movies I have. And it's like, I've seen this before. Like I, I bought LA Confidential on Blu-ray and I'm like, yeah, I like this movie. I'm going to have a good time watching that. And then I just didn't watch it. And then I did watch it and I was like, yeah, I was right. I was going to have a good time with that. And that's, uh, maybe that's how I write fiction in that style. But I was very surprised by this one because I was prepared to not like it. So maybe if I impose rules that are too harsh or too strict, I, I wrote a thing recently that was almost in the style of this book that I wrote. It was a, Kind of a break exercise. I wrote about uh, September 11th. Did any of you guys see that? I didn't even see that thing? come up. Yeah, I didn't either. Oh. It was called A Coincidence of Jungles. These other old machines of lightning or the light we put in the darkness behind our children. And I put it, which is a pretty good title. Let's face it. You know, if you don't know which one to pick, put them all in there. That's my policy. <laughs> Uh, but that was just about my experience on the day, September 11th, 2001. I finally wrote it all up into one thing. So I had a similar, uh, it's not a structural rule, but there was a rule in the writing there that, uh, I will not reveal, uh, because it's a fun, I feel like, you know, if somebody can figure it out, I'll PayPal you a dollar. But, uh, it, uh, yeah, the writing part is boring. Uh, so maybe if I impose rules that are too hard, I might lose the ability to enjoy the writing process. But at that point, I'm kind of removing myself from the audience even more, which was never really the point of my starting to write in the first place. I don't know. Writing to me was like playing a video game, you know? It, it I mean, in the old days, that's what I treated it as. Uh, why watch these Final Fantasy characters? Uh, when I can just make my own and use my imagination like the Muppet Babies taught me, you know? So, uh, but yeah, uh, as I'm getting older and the, the writing philosophy. So this thing I wrote about September 11th is by no means as, uh, as dense and as strict as the novel that I wrote. Uh, so the novel is called A Conspiracy of Miracles and the essay is called A Coincidence of Jungles. Conspiracy of Miracles has no subtitles. I didn't go nuts on it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, by getting too, maybe I'm getting older and getting stricter and, uh, maybe I don't want to do that, but maybe it's good for the reader. Maybe it provides a better experience. It probably does. So that's my moral question about how much I enjoy my writing. Yeah, I, c I couldn't do it if, uh, if I didn't enjoy finishing a piece. Well, so, I mean, sometimes I write stuff and I'm like, man, I want to communicate this thing, but I'm not having a lot of fun with it. But it's usually, you know, it's pretty short. It's like 1500 words at most. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like a big deal and you can get through it. But if I were to write something long and I wasn't enjoying the act of writing it, I just, I don't know how I could get through it. I would have to find a way to enjoy it or else it would just languish unless it was a paycheck oriented thing, in which case I could do it for a while. Um, so my last question is, 
given all that stuff and how we've all written some some dumb things and felt some dumb ways, how much allowance should we give to people who are bad writers now? Because you know, I'm I'm uh I'm still in a position where I, I have to read aspiring writers writing and look at their sentence yeah. structure and look at their ability to to string things together and I'm I'm just very ready to write them off forever but then I have to remember that I've written some bad stuff like my sentence structure was maybe never as bad as these folks uh except for when I was in in uh maybe middle no elementary school um yeah but <laughs> you know I never used passive voice that much uh but oh man pd I hate hate that passive voice but uh they you know the, these people can grow so how 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 apolog- how not apologetic but how um uh forgiving, forgiving should i be yeah or should we be as as readers well, i i am at peace with the fact that uh that it ain't my responsibility to help people grow up sure uh unless yeah. they're mine you know and i don't have any children uh, yeah. around here that I can see anyway. Yeah. Uh, Bam. So, like, I... So you're responsible for Tony's like, writing. Tony, your cat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony, yeah. If, if if Tony was writing stuff, then, you know, I'd help him foster his craft. Yeah. He's mine. Yeah. Uh, but uh, other than that, I don't know. Like, I, I am just at the point where... I, and it, uh, this doesn't just go for writing. This just goes for, you know people having very immature worldviews for example uh i don't feel like i have to be patient with them and it's not my responsibility so uh i i don't you know i i i try not to be confrontational about that it's just i go like okay that person needs to uh needs to grow up or evolve their craft or whatever and and that's not going to happen with my help so I'm just going to kind of ignore them now. And uh turns out there's a whole lot of stuff uh, out there that I still haven't read that's great. So I can mm. just read that stuff instead. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I think that in, in, in the case of, of being in a position like now I'm, I'm, I'm vetting pitches for this Zam website. And yeah. Zam. You know, in this case, I am, I have the direct ability to try to help these people. Uh, yeah, and it makes me feel yeah. like, you know, maybe somebody out there needs someone like my my old English teacher Brian Thomas to tell them that they're not that good and that they need to get better. Uh, but you know, I don't want to. <laughs> it's not my job. I, I feel really. I feel like if you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to when I was an editor because that's the best place to to go to think about yeah. this question. And um, when I was at Gamasutra, for example, and, and we'd get in some some written work that I just felt like was so off the mark that it wasn't worth being an editor for. Mm-hmm. On, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's 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 just yeah. It, they need they need more work than I can provide. Like I don't know. I would just dismiss it and go like, Hey, we're a website. We pay money, and there's tons of people out there that are better than this. Let's just go find them instead. Um, but I. Th- I I would like to think this never happened to me, but I would like to think that if I got something that was poorly written, but I could sense something in it, 
you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know if that's just seeing myself or like there was something in there that I really liked. I think that at that point I would actually help that person because uh, it would be to my advantage to help them grow. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've definitely seen people where they're, it's, you know, that they've got good ideas. I like they've, they've got an instinct for writing about something that I'm interested in, but they don't have, yeah. they don't have pros and they don't have, they don't have the structure in there, but you know, it's, I, I, I'm worried about myself falling into the mindset of, you know, it's not my job to educate these, these ignorant people because sometimes that's all those people need to change uh, in into a more conscious person, but most yeah. of the time it's not, and it's very tiring. <laughs> so yeah, you know, uh, Tim, wh- it, it, it is a flaw of mine. I think like uh, when if if I sort of when I've inherited writers that that uh, I didn't really agree with, you know, thankfully it has been fairly rare. Um, but when that happened, I was pretty bad at like doing my job. I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I was much quicker to just uh, rewrite the bad parts myself and not tell them why I did it because uh, yeah. I had other stuff to do. Yeah, yeah, it's faster certainly. Tim, I'm, yeah. I'm sure people send send you stuff and be like, "What do you think of this?" Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I guess back when I started ActionButton.net, uh, I said, you know, send reviews and. Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, I. Uh, and I asked people to send reviews in and a lot of people did. I got hundreds and hundreds, like more than I expected to get. And, uh, uh, I read all of them and they weren't really, most of them weren't really that good. It was really hard to find one that was good. And I, within two days learned that I don't have to re- reply to all of these emails, uh, <laughs> that it's just, it would be stupid to reply to all of them because, uh, some of them were just so bad. Like, and it's like, if you can read, you should be able to write. If you can read and you can talk, uh, I, I don't see why it would be impossible to learn structure. Yeah. And I mean, it's all about structure of sentences of paragraphs and and then the whole beginning middle end you know you don't need bullet points the music the graphics the story you don't need that uh but i do get fiction sent to me fairly regularly uh by people who read my essays and writing uh and it's really fun to know that that still happens on the internet uh, so if anybody out there was wondering if people still still emailed each other stories, uh, they do. It's not just uh, you'd think uh, you would be forgiven for uh, the presumption that when someone wants somebody to read a story, they put it on a blog. Uh, they they don't always do that. I I get stories sent to me all the time, and I read them, and uh, I have a real good time. Sometimes, and sometimes I'm really surprised. It's like the sort of person with the wherewithal to actually go ahead and send me something is usually kind of cool. Uh, I guess I'm in a position where I'm not a famous writer. I'm, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not writing Harry Potter or anything. I'm not a billionaire. So those people must get 
like famous authors must get some terrible crap <laughs> sent to them, even though that's not the way to get published at all. Uh, you have to find an agent, et cetera, et cetera. You can't get a authors that doesn't have a time to read stuff, but I have time to read all the stuff I get and lately. Uh, I got a friend, uh, in China who, uh, has been writing stuff in English and it's this surreally experimental English and it's just super great. And I hope she writes a book, uh, cause I would read it and I would tell other people to read it, but you never know. I mean, I've never published a book, so what do I know? Bam. 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 But, uh, yeah, what I'm thinking is, uh, bar none, no. If someone can't structure a sentence, if they can't figure out a couple grammar things, if they use too many L-Y adverbs, uh, instead of using verbs that say the same thing, uh, if they can't get through a paragraph without two passive voice sentences when very clearly you could have replaced that with something, if they ever end a sentence with or something, <laughs> uh, if they ever uh, use the word very or the word thing by itself. It's like, come on, man. Like, I just I- immediately shut my brain off. Like, I-, I can't get through that crap, which is why I like these weird 60s and 70s Pulp Fiction authors because they're all super stupidly highly principled writers. Yeah, the punchiness. It's, it's aggressive. Well, I... I guess we better stop here. Uh, I was eventually going to get round to video games, but who cares? (laughs) Owned. (laughs) Who cares? Uh. I was actually, I was going to ask people what video game writing they actually liked and how uh, you would write a video game differently. But we'll talk about that maybe some other time. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Dialogue in Assassin's Creed 4. Real, real good. I mean, we've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again in the future. Yeah. Uh, we'll bring it yeah. back. It'll circle back around. Yeah. All right. So that was that was our show. We talked about writing. Uh, you might have noticed it. And uh, <laughs> and um, if uh, if you'd like to know more things about us, you can follow Frank on Twitter at at Frank Cifaldi and Tim at one zero eight and me at Necrosofty with a Y. I guess you can also follow me on Medium dot com slash at 108 you have to put the at in the url since there's about a novel's worth of stuff on there if you want to read god i guess there really is and you can follow me one of those things is thirty thousand. you can follow me there too but uh, i don't really remember what my thing is medium.com slash something owned maybe it's your twitter handle could be it might yeah it probably is it's probably necrosofty i I can take a darn look for you right now it won't take a second it is my internet has miraculously stayed on this whole My time. My internet's heck of slow. Let's see. Yeah, that's okay. you. Medium.com slash Necrosofty, I guess. You can follow the, uh, the, the... You can't follow me at Medium because I don't, I don't write stuff. People don't pay me for it. Nice. Um, <laughs> and uh, sh- you can follow the show, Facebook.com slash IC Podcast. I promise we're going to do that Boom. on Twitter someday, but man... Who likes to do work what you don't get paid for? That's what this whole this whole show is. Just us doing work we don't get paid for. But it's kind of fun. 
it's kind of fun. Well, someone else does the work. We just hang out. Yeah, talking's work. Thinking's work. Yeah, Blaine, Blaine, Blaine does the oh, work. Oh yeah, and on by the show. way, thanks, Blaine Brown. As always, he does all this, all this stuff, putting this show together for you, real nice. And uh, hopefully, you'll enjoy now that we're all three of us using real mics. Uh, maybe it sounds a little. Better. Well, I was always using the real mic. I just, uh, I, 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 there was a, I had a drop down menu issue in that I didn't realize there was oh. a drop down menu in Audacity to define my microphone. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Owned. So I've been using the same microphone basically since uh, we started this show, but uh, now I'm recording it proper. Nice. That that is the folly of never listening to your own show. Yeah, for real. <laughs> uh, Lol. So yeah, thanks y'all, and I guess we'll see you next time. Insert credit show. Over, yeah!